COVID-19 pandemic, super contagious coronavirus, shelter in place, quarantine. Some are unemployed, some are overemployed, getting overtime. Some people are on the front line, some people are uh, on the sidelines. Some uh, watching the stock market run up and down like a roller coaster or worse. There's been a lot of finger pointing. It's all their fault. Oh, it's all their fault. Uh, it can't be my fault, so it must be their fault. Uh, finger pointing everywhere. Life always brings uh, storms. Uh, there have been storms from time to time. This one just happens to be bigger uh, than anybody can remember. And this is what I would call an unstable, unpredictable hurricane. Uh, perhaps you remember the movie Perfect Storm and the ship that was caught in uh, these three different storm fronts coming together in one place. And uh, well, that was, if you remember that movie, folks, that was mild compared to what I think we're going through right now. This is an unstable hurricane going crazy. Uh, the world shifted a few weeks ago. It, there was a change. Um, there seems to be no end to the uncertainties. Uh, I, constant question, when will we get back to normal? A lot of things will come back, but it won't be the normal we used to know. Because we will have experienced the COVID-19 pandemic, and we will think and act and do things differently, and we should. In times like these, internally, invisibly, silently, we began to ask haunting questions. We began to, to allow our hearts to ask questions. We may not recognize them. We may not think about them. We may deny their existence, but they're there. Uh, I speak from experience. I thought I was handling things pretty well until uh, this week. I had one particularly very bad night of sleep. Uh, several nightmares. Don't know. I, you know, some 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 of them I don't remember. All I remember is waking up scared and uh, realizing, you know, you're a little more upset by this than you thought. We are not the first people to go through scary times. We sometimes act like we are, sometimes worry about it, sometimes, uh, but we're not. The human race has been through a lot of these things. Our hearts begin asking questions, though, in times like this. That uh, the ancient psalm writer in Psalm 77, he, he asked questions. Perhaps you've been asking these questions too, or something like them. He, the psalm writer says, I, I ask, will the Lord reject me forever? Will, will he never again show me his mercy, his favor? Will his loyal love? disappear forever? Has his promise failed 
forever? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has his anger stifled his compassion? Then I said, I am sickened by the thought that the sovereign one might become inactive. I think it's safe to say that 99.999% of us have been sickened, not by the virus, but by questions like these. In the middle of this storm, with all of its uncertainty and unpredictability, we've been asking questions. Invisibly, internally, silently. Asking haunting questions. Well, as I said, we're not the first to go through storms. In Luke chapter 8, Verses 22 to 25, there's an account of, of Jesus and his disciples. One day, it says in verse 22, one day he got into a boat with his disciples. Jesus got into a boat with his disciples. I'm not quite sure what you admit in, uh, perceive or, or think of when I say he got into a boat. I want to tell you something. It was, first of all, not a ski boat, but not a power boat. It was a sailboat. But it wasn't a tiny little rowboat either. They found remnants and, and of, of fishing boats from the days when Jesus was on the Sea of Galilee uh, with his disciples, and they were like 30 feet long, seven or eight feet wide. They were big boats. And one day Jesus said to his disciples, Let's go to the other side of the lake. So they set out. At least four of them were professional fishermen who had grown up on that lake and knew how to do, how to boat. And, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake. And they were filled with water. They were, the boat and the people were being drenched with water and they were in danger. Now I'm going to pause right there. I, I have always, ever since I was a child and first heard this story, I thought, I wonder how could Jesus sleep through howling winds and crashing waves and screaming men? I mean, when professional fishermen who spent their life on boats in this lake and gone through storms are screaming, you would think it would wake you up. Now, I know Jesus was human and he was exhausted from, from ministry. That's one of the reasons he wanted to get away with his disciples. They were all tired. But even exhausted people wake up with loud noises or water slapping them in the face. How did Jesus sleep through this? The story goes on to say that they went and woke him up saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. We're drowning. Now, I want to give them points right here because in a moment they're going to get in trouble. But for right now, I want to give them points for knowing where to go and what to do. They went to Jesus, and they asked him for help. They called on Jesus for help. 
And he woke, Jesus awoke, and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said to the disciples, he said to them, where's your faith? So I got to stop right there again and ask, what did Jesus mean? Where's your faith? I, I think one of the reasons we may ask that question is we have a tendency to misunderstand faith in, in one of two ways or in a combination of these. Uh, one of the ways that we misunderstand faith is that some of us think faith is simply believing in God's existence. And, and most of the people in our society, poll after poll after poll after poll, tells us that people in our society, here in the United States in particular, believe in the existence of God or a supreme being of some sort. Whether it's the God of Jesus, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, they believe in a God. They believe in the existence of God. And for, for many people, that's the sum total of faith. And so when Jesus asks this question, where's your faith? It's like, for some, we're thinking, did he just call them atheist? But the other, the other possibility is, our misunderstanding is that we talk as if faith is something that you can use to, well, we won't probably say it quite like this, but it's what we mean, that it, faith is something we use to control what God does. If you have enough faith, you'll get what you want. Or if you get enough people around you with enough faith, then you'll get what you're asking for. But I don't think that's what Jesus means. It seems to me that for Jesus, faith and relationships weave together to bring people into his kingdom family. For, for Jesus, faith has a lot to do with relationships and very little to do with uh, just believing in God's existence or getting what you want when you talk to him. For, for Jesus, faith involves the belief that, yes, that God exists because, well, you, you can't have a relationship with somebody you don't believe in. Uh, but also, it is belief in the fact that he, his character is holy and loving and he is completely trustworthy. Faith involves trusting God's holy nature and his honesty and his integrity and his ability and willingness and a to keep every promise he's ever made to you. Faith involves loyalty as a response from us to a loyalty to God by voluntarily, voluntarily aligning our wills with his will. In other words, we trust him enough to obey him. So Jesus says, where is your faith? And I think what he's saying is not, are you a bunch of atheists or you know, if you believed a little bit more, you could have just told the storm to be quiet. I don't think that's what he was saying. I think this question was what he, he was saying, where's your confidence? Where's your confidence in our Father's love? Where's your trust in his holy character? Where's your willingness to align yourself with him? So Jesus woke up and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased. Stopped. 
there was a calm. And he said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid. And they marveled, saying to one another, who is this? That he commands even the winds and water, and they obey him. Who is this that commands the wind and the waves? That's a good question. And I've, I've been thinking about that, and I thought, well, how does Luke answer this question? Because I think that was part of his purpose in, in reminding us of, of this event and telling us about it and showing us this question. This is disciples asking, who is this that commands even winds and waves? Well, it looks like, if, as I see this, he has an unshakable confidence. He is a man who has an unshakable confidence in the Heavenly Father's love for him. In Luke chapter 3, verses 21 and 22, Luke tells us about Jesus' baptism, about what happened when Jesus went to John and was baptized in the Jordan River. He says, now when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. You are my beloved son. Casey Colbert writes, beloved is a word with teeth. It's not a sentimental word. This good news is not meant to pat us on the back and make us feel better about ourselves. This word, beloved, claims us. This word claimed Jesus. In the words, you are my beloved son. The father gave Jesus his anchor. The one truth that he could hold on to in the future when everything else would be ripped away. The father's declaration of love claimed Jesus so deeply that it would sustain him all the way through his life, through his passion and his crucifixion and death. Beloved is a title, she goes on to say. Beloved is a title that's freely given to you for just being you. Before Jesus ever became known as the Messiah, before he had ever performed a miracle, before he had ever started his ministry, the Father defined him as his beloved son. Jesus was given an identity that didn't depend on what anybody else thought about him or what he might be tempted to think about himself. He was his father's beloved son. Nobody and nothing could change that. It's the father's choice of love that makes us his beloved. It's the father's choice to claim us that makes us his. The word beloved is a word with teeth. It has power and authority standing behind it. 
being the beloved child of God has teeth because the one who is standing behind that word is the creator of the universe, the king of kings, the lord of lords, the one who has no rival, the one to whom none can be compared. Even if the whole world falls away, if the mountains fall into the sea, our fundamental identities as the beloved children of God will stand. There is an intrinsic hope in this identity for everybody who suffers. That God is the Father who takes care of his dearly loved children. God vindicates. God ensures justice. God remembers even when we forget God, don't forget this. God raises the dead. So, sermon in a sentence, if you remember absolutely nothing else, this is what I want you to remember from this morning. You are the Father's dearly loved child. You are his dearly loved child. He chose you. He chooses you. He loves you, and there's nothing that can ever stop that. So Jesus, Jesus is your peace in the storm when you rest in the Heavenly Father's deep, deep love for you. You are the Father's dearly loved child. The Father declares that you are his beloved, and you bring him great joy. I want to let that sink in. The Father declares that you are his beloved child, and you bring him joy. Simply because you exist. His love chases you down, tracking you tirelessly like a hound from heaven. Jesus is your peace in the storm because of his unconditional love. You can't earn it or repay it. And frankly, you don't deserve it. None of us do. But Jesus gave his life for you. You are the Heavenly Father's beloved child. He fights for you in ways you cannot see or imagine. And all those times when we like, are like the psalmist and are wondering, has he forgotten us? Is he going to be inactive forever? Where is God? He's fighting for us. Working for us. In ways we don't see ways we've never dreamed of. You are his dearly loved child. He heals, seeks to heal your deepest wounds. He works to set you free from everything that entraps and ensnares you. You are the father's beloved daughter. You are the father's beloved
do you have the freedom to say it and claim it for yourself? Do you have the urge to say it out loud? Do you dare to say it confidently? I am the Father's beloved Son. You can know peace in the storm as you rest in the Father's love. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you're the God of grace and unconditional love. You're the God who chooses us. You claim Jesus as your dearly loved son at his baptism. And you claim us as your beloved children and call us with your spirit's gentle voice to trust you to have the courage to be loyal to you, even when we don't know the answers to all of our questions. And just as Jesus, your beloved son, trusted in your deep, deep love, I pray that you'll inspire and empower us with the fire of your Holy Spirit. Fill us with confidence in your love. Help us to feel the power of your love healing us from the inside, calming us and giving us peace. Peace that this world can't give or take away, a peace that goes beyond understanding and explanation. Heavenly Father, give us peace in the storm. We're in such a hurry to have the storm be over. And it will in your time. But in the meantime, give us peace in the storm. Holy Spirit, help us to rest in your incredible love. We ask all, this all in the name of our Savior and King, Jesus who lives and reigns and intercedes for us forever. Amen. Well, as we uh, prepare to kind of bring things to an end and for me to remind you that you are sent even on stormy days like these, I'm going to share a couple of verses from uh, the letter to Rome, the Romans, Paul's letter to the Romans. First, he prays, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace. I'll take it. Fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he says, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful or loyal in prayer. Church, you are sent 
to seek God's missing children with Jesus. You are sent in the power of the Holy Spirit. You are sent. So go. Even if it means simply picking up your phone. Go.